I have the privilege and the honor to minister and share the word of the Lord this morning. And I sent Pastor a text last night because I'm looking at the clock. It's, it's 930. It's pretty early. Typically, we're starting to preach at quarter till. And we were sitting in a pastor's meeting once and one of our national leaders said, he said, pastors, do yourself a favor, do the church a favor. When you finish your message and your sermon, pray about it, then take 20% and just throw it away. Pull it out of the sermon. So I sent pastor a text and I said, I just went through the exercise of removing 20% of my message. But I'm looking at the clock now and I think we have plenty of time. So pastor, I might throw it back in. If that's okay, amen? And I'm looking out this morning. It seems like everyone sat to the right, not that many people sitting on the left. So on the left side, you're going to have to step up your game this morning if you know what I'm talking about. Amen? Amen? If you have your Bibles, would you open them to the book of Psalms? Psalms chapter 145. We are in a series here at Bethel Church called Songs of Summer. We are looking at a few of the, the songs that come to us from the ancient Psalter. And we are asking God to to speak to us um, in these sacred songs. And this morning we're gonna be uh, looking at chapter 145. For those of you who sit in my class on on Sunday evenings, you know that there is a a scripture that we pray before we read the word of God. It's, It's on the screen for you. This morning, it's a, it's a powerful scripture. It's Psalms 119 and verse 18. And it simply says, God, open my eyes that I may see wondrous things from your law. Amen. God, open my eyes. Apostle Paul said, the natural man does not receive the things of the spirit of God. But those who are spiritual can discern all things. And so we need spiritual eyes this morning. Amen. We need spiritual ears to hear what God would want to say to us, what God would want to speak to the church. So I'd like us to pray this together twice. I'll say the reference. If you can join me in the scripture, but let's pray this together. Psalms 119, 18, open my eyes that I may see wondrous things from your law. In Psalms 119:18, open my eyes that I may see wondrous things from your law. If you have your Bibles open to Psalms 145, we're going to begin reading in verse number 1 and we're going to read down to verse number 9. The word of the Lord. It says, "I will extol you, my God, O King, and I will bless your name forever." And ever. And every day I will bless you. And I will praise your name forever and ever. Look at verse 3. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. And his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall praise your works, to another and shall declare your mighty acts. And I will meditate on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works. And men shall speak of the might of your awesome acts. And I will declare your greatness. They shall utter the memory of your great goodness and shall sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious, full of compassion, slow to anger, and great in mercy. The Lord is good to all. 
The Lord is good to all, and his tender mercies are over all of his works. The year was 1715. King Louis XIV of France, he dies after reigning in France for 72 years. He called himself the Great, and at one point in his life, he, he made the famous statement. He said, I am the state. His court at this time is the most majestic in all of Europe, and his funeral was equally spectacular. He gave instructions for his body to, to, to lie in state in, in, in the famous Notre Dame Cathedral, and he gave instructions. He said, I want, I want the cathedral lights to be dim, and he said, I want one candle placed above my, my coffin. He said, I want this candle to, to dramatize my greatness. And at his memorial, thousands waited in hushed silence, and then Bishop Massillon begins to speak, and he slowly reaches down, and he snuffs out the candle, and he says four powerful words. He says, only God is great. And the psalmist would say, amen. He's great and he's greatly to be praised. I want to preach a very simple message this morning entitled, Our Great God. Our Great God. Amen. Can we bow our heads? Father, this morning, open our eyes. Give us spiritual eyes so that, God, we may see wondrous things from your law. God, open our ears, our hearts, our minds, so that, God, we may be open and ready to receive from you. Lord, I believe every time we open your word, there's something that you want to say. There's something that you want to do. There's something that you want to speak into our lives. So, Father, I pray that we'd all be open to hear and to receive these words open our eyes to your greatness and your goodness we pray all of these things in the name of jesus and everyone said amen, amen. and amen our great god when you read the book of psalms one thing that you will see is that the book of psalms is all about god god is mentioned by name over 1200 times in the book of psalms and it appears in each and every one of the psalms and we know that the Psalms will deal with every human emotion from joy to gratitude to grief to, to sadness. The Psalms covers it all, but the core of every Psalm is God. God is the focus and God is the constant of the Psalms. Now the Bible says that all, all of scripture is given to us for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness, which of course includes the book of Psalms, and we can certainly study the Psalms. We can learn from them. We can grow in them. We can be corrected by them. We, we can be trained in, in righteousness by them. But the Psalms are unique because they are the hymn book of the people of God, and they're meant to be sung. That's why we titled the series Songs of Summer. 
This is what we have. This is the psalm book of the Bible. Those living in Bible times would have referred to the Psalms as the book of Israel's praises. Jesus, as a child, would have learned many, if not all, of the Psalms. You can read the Word of God, and you will find that there are occasions where Jesus will sing. And one of the occasions where Jesus is singing, we know, is in the upper room. And what is Jesus singing in the upper room? It is believed that Jesus is singing Psalms 113 to 118. The Psalms would become the soundtrack of his life. Now, Pastor mentioned this in, in week one. We know that David did not write all of the Psalms. David wrote half of the Psalms, 73 to be exact. But Psalms 145 is the last of David's songs in the book of Psalms. And in this last Psalm, David is going to empty his pen to tell of the glory of God, a greatness that no one can fathom. So many of his, his songs and his psalms, they, they focus on his acute pain in life. But here, his eyes are going to look upward rather than inward. Now, Psalms 145, for those of you taking notes, is a psalm of praise, not thanksgiving or even prayer. Psalms 86 is referred to as a prayer of David, but this is the only time a psalm is specifically referred to as a psalm of praise. Now, we know that there are other songs of praise, but this is the only psalm that has the subtitle, a psalm of praise. Now, Psalms 145 is often referred to as the, the preface or the introduction to the praise psalms, the, the last five chapters in the book of Psalms. Psalms 146 through 150 are referred to as the hallelujah or the praise psalms. Five anonymous composers will write the concluding hymns that will fill the ancient Psalter. It's interesting. Psalms 146, 147, 148, 149, Psalms 150 contain no superscription, no subtitle. They are just a psalm. And I love these five psalms because they all revolve around the same theme. And it's not difficult to discover the theme because each of these psalms, they begin exactly the same way and they end exactly the same way. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, from the verb that means to praise, the little abbreviation at the end representing Yahweh or God, give praise to God, give praise to God. In our modern translations, they all begin and they all end with praise the Lord, praise the Lord. And so Psalms 145 is, is often referred to as a preface to the praise songs. Now, Psalms 145 does not lend itself to a nice outline because what we have is an alphabetical acrostic. You have to keep in mind that the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, and we know that there are 22 characters in the Hebrew alphabet, all consonants, no vowels. And in the book of Psalms, there are eight alphabetical acrostics. You'll notice in Psalms 145, there are 22 verses. 
And so verse 1 will begin with the first letter in the Hebrew alphabet. Verse 2 will begin with the second letter in the Hebrew alphabet, and so on until the close. In church, I believe it's David's way of saying that God is great from A to Z. And that God is worthy of praise from A to Z. The scripture says from the rising of the sun to its going down, the name of the Lord is to be praised. The Bible says in Psalms 34, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. We are to bless the Lord at all times. Amen. In the good times, we're going to praise him. In the bad times, we're going to praise him. In joy, we're going to praise him in sorrow we're going to praise him the lord gives and the lord takes away but blessed be the name of the lord when our backs are against the wall when we're surrounded by our enemies when sickness comes upon us when our relationships are falling apart we're going to praise the lord the bible says let everything that has breath praise the lord if you're breathing today you ought to praise the lord and praise is not just a once a day or a once a week activity we are to praise God always in every way throughout our day in all times in all situations can I tell you this morning there's never a bad time to praise the Lord in fact it's always a good time to praise the Lord God is worthy to be praised from A to Z can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning amen Now, this psalm will cover every aspect of verbal praise. Turn to your neighbor and say verbal praise. There is a time to be still in the presence of the Lord. There is a time to to be silent. To be still and know that he is God. Habakkuk said in chapter 2, but the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. There are times in the church in our lives when we need to silence our hearts before the Lord. But then there comes times for verbal praise. Hebrews says in chapter 13, verse 15 says, Therefore by him let us continually offer up the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips. Everyone say lips. The fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. I love this verse because it doesn't refer to the heart. It doesn't refer to our thoughts. We, we can praise God in our minds. We can praise God with our thoughts, but it, it, it's a reference to our lips. God wants us to have lips of praise, lips that speak and sing the praises of his great name, real sounds, real words. The scripture says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And if you read the whole text, all 22 verses in Psalms 145, you're going to see that David will engage in verbal praise. David says he's going to extol, bless, praise, declare, speak, utter, sing, and make known the praises of God. Pastor, can you imagine what our worship service would look like if we all came in ready to extol and to bless and to praise and to declare and to speak and to utter and to sing and make known the praises of our great God. Amen. In this song of praise, David will praise God for two reasons. Number one, his unsearchable greatness. Number two, his abundant goodness. 
Two things that you need to know about God from this text. God is great and God is good. God is great and God is good. Church, if you will get these two truths into your spirit, they can form a solid foundation for real trust in God. I don't have to live in fear. Why? Because he's great and he's good. I don't have to live in worry and in anxiety. Why? Because he's great and he's good. I can have all audacious and authentic faith. Why? Because he's great and he's good and his mercy endures forever. His faithfulness to all generations. We serve a great God and we serve a good God. Amen. Amen. Let's dive in. Verse number one. I will extol you, my God, O King, and I will bless your name forever and ever. And every day I will bless you and I will praise your name forever and ever. Three times in this psalm, in verse 1, in verse 2, in verse 21, David resolves to praise the Lord and to bless God forever and ever. It's as if forever isn't long enough, so he has to add and ever, forever and ever. And notice David begins this song of praise by saying, I will extol you and I will bless you and I will praise your name forever. You see, praise involves an act of the will. And you have to keep in mind that that David is the most powerful king in in this part of the world in in a time, in a day when kings, many of them would, would force their subjects to bow down before them. But David is saying, he is my king. He alone is great and he alone is worthy of all praise and I will extol him. Don't miss the pronoun my. David says, I will extol you, my God, O king. It's a reminder of Psalms 23. He said, the Lord is my shepherd. In Psalms 27, he said, the Lord is my light and my salvation. He's my strength. And in Psalms 145, he says, he's my God. Martin Luther once said, faith is a matter of personal pronouns. It's one thing to say the Lord is a shepherd. It's another thing to say the Lord is my shepherd. You see, you cannot praise God unless he's your God. It's not enough that he's your parents, God. It's not enough that he's your pastor's God. He must be your God. Your wife's God won't do. Your husband's God won't do. Your children's God won't do. He must be your God. Doubting Thomas, when he saw the resurrected Christ, he proclaimed, my Lord and my God. You see, everyone will praise something or someone. And David says, I'm going to praise the Lord. And he's compelled to praise. God because he's great. Amen. Can we give the Lord another hand clap of praise this morning? Look at verse number three. Great is the Lord, greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. Great is the Lord. David's talking about the great I am. David is talking about the God who spoke through a burning bush to Moses, who told Moses, take off your sandals because the place where you are standing is holy. I think greatness is a word that's overused in our day. People use the term to describe their deodorant, hamburgers, restaurants, cities, their athletes, their entertainment, 
their movies. Historically, many have taken the adjective great and made it a part of their name. Alexander the Great, Peter the Great, Catherine the Great, Jackie Gleason simply went by the title, The Great One. Wayne Gretzky, The Great One. But Muhammad Ali takes the cake. Ali declared himself the greatest of all time. And I want you to know, church, he could float like a butterfly and he could sting like a bee, but it was the greatest of all time who created the butterfly and the bee and even Muhammad Ali. Amen. God alone is great. Amen. Sometimes you will hear people say after talking with someone famous, I have been in the presence of greatness. And I don't want to downplay the significance of influential and gifted people, but church only of God can we say how great thou art. And only when we are praising him can we truly say, I have been in the presence of greatness. Why? Because the scripture says that God inhabits the praises of his people. So when we lift our hands, when we lift our voices, and we, and we worship our great God, the scripture says that God literally inhabits, he, he, he lives, he, he abides in that praise. And only when we're praising God can we truly say, I have been in the presence presence of greatness. David is saying that God is great. Can I tell you this morning, church, God is so great that he spoke the universe into existence and then he stooped down and he measured it with his hand. Our God is the one who leveled Jericho's walls while Joshua and the people walked around it. Our God is the one who took on the flesh in the incarnation. He walked among us. He opened blind eyes. He raised dead people to life. And remember, not only did he walk on water, but he enabled an ordinary fisherman to walk on water with him. Can I tell you this morning, church, he is the great I am. And because we serve a great God, I want you to know there's no prayer that's too big for our God. There's no sickness that's too great. There's no obstacle that's too large. There's no vision that is too sweeping. There's no risk that's too great. Why? Because we serve a mighty God. And because our God is great, we need to dream God-worthy dreams. Amen? And if our dreams don't scare us, then they're too small. And if our vision doesn't scare us, then our vision and our God is too small. I don't know about you, but I want to be a church that looks back and says our vision terrified us but look what the Lord has done amen we need to dream God worthy dreams but we also need to pray faith fueled prayers we need to live lives that can only be explained by the existence of a God who is infinitely great there's no limit to what we can dream or pray or accomplish why because we serve a great God come on church let's pray Praise the greatness of our God this morning. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's worthy of praise. He's worthy of praise. Come on, left side. You're going to have to do better than that. God is worthy of our praise. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Deuteronomy chapter 10 and verse 17 says, The Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome. Mighty and awesome. You saw in the video that Serve Week is right around the corner. How many of you have ever participated in Serve Week? Can I see your hands? Last year, 400 volunteers mobilized. The video said 50. It was actually 75 Serve Projects. 
Start Week's right around the corner. We're excited because as we just kind of sat um, talking as a staff, as we just waited upon the Lord and prayed, we felt the Lord um, move us in, in a different direction. Typically in Serve Week, we're, we're all over uh, this tri-state area. We're in Philadelphia. We're, um, we're in Shore Points, Atlantic City. We go to Camden. We felt this year that, that God, would, God put it on our heart to focus a little more uh, attention and time on our Jerusalem, on Gloucester Township. And so this year we are excited to announce that we're going to be hosting the first ever Day of Hope in Gloucester Township. That all of our, all of our serve projects would lead to a Day of Hope. We already have the permits. We've submitted the applications. The township gave us a field right up the streets within walking distance of hundreds, possibly thousands of residents. And families are going to come and they're going to be able to get free haircuts. They're going to be able to get groceries. They're going to be able to get backpacks. They're going to be able to get school supplies. They're going to be able to get medical screenings. They're going to be able to get prayer. We're excited about the vision of Serve Week this year and Day of Hope. And it's frightening, but can I tell you, church, we serve a great God. We serve a great God, amen. And so we, we need your help. We need people who can cut hair. If you can cut hair on your license, please see me afterwards. We need backpacks. Last year, I, I preached on the second mile. And I mentioned that we need backpacks for Serve Week, and, and 400 backpacks came in. We need more backpacks this year. And so if you can help us, please. Pray and please bring in a backpack. But we serve a God that's great. Amen. The psalmist continues. This is where you may have to put your seatbelt on. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Something we often do is we ascribe praise to other people and things. We clap when we hear a singer belt out the final note. We cheer with the crowd when an athlete makes an incredible play or move, we stand and cheer when a loved one performs remarkably. I, I have been at the commencement ceremonies for some of your children. And some of your children. And some of you, you cheer, you holler, you have air horns, you have cowbells. How many of you know what I'm talking about? But we miss out on true greatness, church, when we don't give all of the glory to God for who he is and all that he has done. And David says that God is great and greatly to be praised. God is great and greatly to be praised. Think about it. How are we praising the Lord? He doesn't say he's worthy of half-hearted praise. He doesn't say that he's worthy of average praise. He says he is worthy of great praise. God is great and greatly to be praised. As a church, we recently made an investment in, in, in our worship teams, in our worship experience. New sound, new, new cameras, new lights, new microphones, new equipment. Why? Because we want to have the latest and the greatest. No, because God is great and he's greatly to be praised. Amen. You see, worship should be somewhat like its object. And a great God deserves great praise. Amen. 
A mighty God deserves mighty praise. A strong God deserves strong praise. A, a powerful God deserves powerful praise. Let me ask you, do, do you get more excited about great plays on the football field or great movies than you do the privilege of giving praise and honor to the Lord? We often say this and we often sing this, that nothing compares to God. How many of you believe that? That nothing compares to God. And if that's true, then our praise to Him should be deeper and more passionate than our praise of other things. Turn to your neighbor and say, great praise. Turn to someone else and say, great praise. I don't know what kind of praise you brought this morning, but I brought great praise. Why? Because great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. And he's greatly to be praised from the heavens. The psalmist in 148 says, praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Praise him all of his angels. Praise him all of his hosts. Praise him sun and moon. Praise him all of you stars of light. Praise him you heavens of heavens and you waters above the heavens. You may not know this, but without a telescope, you can only see about 3,000 stars with the naked eye from any point on earth. And we know that there are 100,000 million stars in the Milky Way galaxy alone. And we know that there are millions and millions of other galaxies. The scientists estimate that in the known universe, there are 70 sextillion stars. That's 70,000 million, million, million. That's seven followed by 21 zeros or 10 times the number of grains of sand on the earth and when you look up church when you look at pictures of the galaxy and the universe can I tell you it's beyond words or description but the Bible tells us that the heavens are telling the glory of God and day after day they pour forth their speech and night after night they tell us what they know what are they telling us church what are they singing can I tell you they're not up there singing twinkle twinkle little star they're on on display and they're shouting back down to all who are looking up and they're saying God is amazing God is great God is incredible he's awesome the stars are a billboard for God and day after day what am I talking about this morning church I'm talking about great praise he's greatly to be praised in the heavens but he's also greatly to be praised in the earth the list continues I don't have time to, to read all of it this morning but the psalmist leaves nothing and no one out whether you're a sea creature a land creature a bird or a bug whether you're an old person or a young person or a child the psalmist says let them praise the name of the Lord for his name alone is exalted his glory is above the earth and the heaven church he's praised in the heavens but he's also praised in the earth we know that the earth sings praises to God the Bible says the trees of the forest will sing for joy that the rivers will clap their hands that the mountains will rejoice what is this church this is great praise for a great God it was St. Francis of Assisi who wrote the song all creatures of our God and King lift up your voice and with us sing Alleluia Alleluia thou burning sun with golden beam thou silver moon with softer gleam thou flowing water pure and clear make music for thy Lord to hear oh praise 
praise him. Hallelujah. It's a reminder of the words of Revelation chapter 5. It says that I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on in the sea and all that's in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. Can I tell you this morning church there's no chorus that's too loud and there's no orchestra that's too large. There's no psalm that's too lofty for the praising of the Lord of hosts. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Hallelujah church. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him all creatures here below. Praise him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Church, I'm talking about great praise this morning. You need to name him in your praise. You need to name his works in your praise. You need to name his word in your praise. And can I tell you what happens when we offer up great praise to the Lord? Can I tell you what happens? Three things. God shows up. The enemy flees. And miracles happen when we offer up great praise to the Lord. In the Old Testament, when they offered up great praise the bible says that the walls of jericho fell down when when jehoshaphat sent an army of praise into battle the scripture says that they defeated three enemies why because the battle was not theirs but the battle belonged to the lord in the new testament paul and silas are in prison and they're not sitting around saying woe is me we should have stayed home what do they do they offer up great praise and the bible says that god shook the prison and the chains fell down and they walked out of that prison as free men and there are some of you here today you're surrounded by walls you're surrounded by enemies you're bound in chains and you're wondering where God is and God is just waiting for you to throw your hands up in the air and offer great praise to the king of kings and to the lord of lords can we take a break right now in this service and can we offer up not average not half hearted but can we lift up a mighty praise to the king of kings and the lord of lords Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Come on, church. Lift up great praise to the Lord this morning. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Give him praise. Hallelujah. He's worthy. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 I'm talking about great praise this morning. Amen. Hallelujah. God is good. Amen. God is good. Bless the Lord. The psalmist continues. His greatness is unsearchable. It's unsearchable. One translation says no one can measure his greatness. Another says there are no boundaries to his greatness. Another translation says his greatness no one can fathom. Can I tell you, church, Google has nothing on God. Bing. Yahoo, Ask, AOL, any of your favorite search engines, they've got nothing on the Lord. We will never be able to fathom the depths of his greatness. Many have claimed to spoken the last word on a subject or an experience. But can I tell you, church, there will never be a last word on God for all of eternity. We're going to marvel at his greatness. Amen. His greatness is unsearchable. Are you getting anything out of this? Let's move on. Verse number four. One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. 
It doesn't say one generation shall teach your works to another. Although we know that is biblical. It says one generation shall praise your works to another. There's a difference between teaching and praising. Amen? Teaching involves passing on knowledge. It involves passing on information. But the psalmist says that we are to praise the works of our God from one generation to another. Praise involves adoration. It involves worship. When is the last time, parents, your children saw you worshiping God? When is the last time, parents, your children saw you giving him praise? When is the last time your children saw you weeping in the presence of God? When is the last time you pulled your family in for a meeting and said, we've got a situation? We don't know where our next meal is going to come from. We don't know how we're going to take care of college and education, but we know a God who is great. And we know a God who is good. And we know that one of the names of our God is Jehovah Jireh, means the God who provides. And we have an opportunity right now as a family to put our trust and our faith in God. Church, can I tell you, that's not just teaching. That's praising his works from one generation to another. Amen. Where are all the parents? Can I see your hands? Verse number seven is for you. Ed, if you can put it on the slide. This is a prayer that you can pray every single day for your children. That they shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness. And that they sing aloud of your righteousness. Can I tell you, church, there's a lot I desire for my children. There's a lot that you want for your children. I want my children to be healthy. I want my children to be successful. I want my daughters to marry godly men who would take care of them and, and provide for them, and take the lead in the home. But above all of those things, I want it to be said of my children that they pour forth the fame of the abundant goodness of the Lord. And they sing aloud of his righteousness. Because church, all of our children are going to have a moment. All of our children are going to hit a, a spot in life where their faith is going to be tested. And in that moment, I want my children to stop and say, do you remember what mom and dad did? Do you remember what mom and dad did when they faced something similar? They worshiped God. They lifted up their praise to the Lord. And God saw them through. And God will see us through. Amen. One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. So David will praise God because of his great works, but also because of his goodness. Look at verse 8 and 9. It says, The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. 
He's slow to anger and he's great in mercy. The Lord is good to all and his tender mercies are over all of his works. Can I tell you, church, God is good is the ringing affirmation of the word of God throughout. You can read this book from cover to cover, and one thing that you will discover, one thing that you will see, one thing that will leap off the pages of the word of God is the goodness of the Lord. The scripture says, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. The Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. When Moses pleaded with God, he said, show me your glory. God said, no one can see my face and live. But God said, I'm going to allow what to pass by in front of you. I'm going to allow my goodness to pass by in front of you in church we sing about it and we often say in the church God is good and the church responds with and then we say all the time and the church says but do we fully understand this awesome attribute of God you see the Bible defines goodness in two ways one has to do with his character the other focuses on his actions a great scripture for this is Psalms 119 68, it very simply says, you are good and do good. You are good and do good. I love the first half. God is by nature good. You cannot have goodness apart from God because he alone is good. Jesus said in Mark 10, 18, no one is good but God alone. The second half of the goodness of God focuses on what he does, his benevolence. His kindness, his, his mercy, his steadfast love, his, his generosity. We have experienced grace today. Why? Because he is good. We have experienced mercy today. Why? Because he is good. We have experienced his loving kindness today. Why? Because we serve a God that is good. Psalms 135 says, praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. Sing to his name, for he is gracious. Psalms 100 and verse 5, for the Lord is good. His loving kindness endures forever you see church his goodness means that his greatness is working in our lives and this is what you find when you read the balance of this chapter david says the lord upholds you when you fall has anyone ever tripped he lifts you when you are bowed down. He gives you food at the proper time. Ever been hungry? He opens his hand to satisfy your desires. He's righteous and loving. He's near when we call. He meets our deepest needs. He preserves those he loves. He protects us. Why? Because he's a good God. Amen? And the Bible says we know that all things work for the good We'll come to the condition in a moment. But we know it's not conjecture. It's not happenstance. It's not perhaps. It's not maybe. It's ironclad certainty. We know that all things work for the good and the condition is to those who love God and are called according to his purpose and our plans. So God is working all things out for our good, not for our momentary happiness, but for our ultimate good. Let me ask you something. Joseph sold into slavery, good or bad? Good. Mary finding herself to be with child, good or bad? Good. The apostle Paul put it into a Roman prison cell, good or bad? Good, because most of Caesar's household came to faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus falsely accused, wrongly arrested, illegally crucified, good or bad? 
glorious. Glorious. But God's working all things out for our good. Here's the problem, church. We have a distorted view of God's goodness. I say this all the time. We stand up in church. We, we tell our friends, I got a new job. I just got a raise. Just got a bonus. Just bought a new car. My child just got into college. Just bought a new house. And we follow that up with what? God is good. But I want you to know this morning, church, God is good if you're homeless. And God is good if you live in a mansion. And God is good if you have no place to live. And God is good if you have a million dollars in the bank. And God is good if you don't even have a penny in the bank. You don't judge the goodness of God by what you have and don't have. Irregardless to what you have or don't have. You need to know something this morning. God is still good. And His goodness will always prevail. And we've got to get this truth. We've got to get this word in our spirit. And if we do, it'll change the way we view life. It'll change the way we view our challenges and, 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 and all of our adversities. David said it like this in Psalms 103. And I'm going to ask if uh, the worship team will come at this time. But David said, Psalms 103, praise the Lord, all my soul. Forget not all his benefits, who forgives all of your sins. He heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. David could have focused on his failures. Instead, he remembered and focused on God's goodness and God's forgiveness. He could have focused on his sickness. Instead, he remembered and he focused on how good God had been to heal him. He could have focused on the pain in the pit. Instead, he remembered and focused on the fact that God pulled him up out of the pit. You see, church, walking with God sometimes mean walking with through trials but instead of focusing on your situation remember God's goodness and allow it to permeate your thoughts and your mind and your emotions and never forget church he's been better to you and I than we deserve we are saved we are forgiven we are redeemed by the power of God. And even if God never does anything else for us, his single act of love on the cross demonstrates his goodness for all time. You may be here this morning going through a fiery trial right now. Maybe you've lost sight of the goodness of the Lord. Let me encourage you to give thanks to the Lord for he is good. This is his final psalm. In the book of Psalms, and he looks back and David says, despite all that has happened to me, the Lord, he is good. And he's good to all. And his tender mercies are over all of his works. And then let's look at David's final words. You know, a person's last words are significant. And these are David's closing remarks in the book of Psalms. It's verse 21. He said, my mouth will speak in praise of the Lord. His final words. My mouth will speak in praise of the Lord. Let every creature praise his holy name forever and ever. Charles Spurgeon once said, praise now is one of the great duties of the redeemed. And it will be their employment forever. You see, church, prayer is for time. 
but praise is for all of eternity. And David is saying, my mouth will always praise the Lord. Church, we're never going to stop praising God, not in this life, not in the life to come, not for one moment, for all of eternity. We're going to sing his praises and we're going to worship his great and his holy name. In the next chapter, the psalmist will echo David's words in 146 in verse 21. He said, I will praise the Lord. As long as I live, and I will sing praises to my God with my dying breath. I will praise the Lord as long as I live, and I will sing praises to my God with my dying breath. I'm I'm reminded of John Wesley, and I'm closing right now. John Wesley, he laid on his deathbed at the age of 88. The night before his death, and despite his extreme weakness, he began singing the hymn, I'll praise my maker while I have breath. And when my voice is lost in death, praise shall employ my nobler powers. My days of praise shall near be passed while life and thought and being last or immortality endures. I'll praise my maker while I have breath. The next day, the day that the Lord would call him home, John Wesley simply could say, I'll praise my maker while I breath. I'll praise my maker while I breath. And then all he could get out was, I'll praise my maker. I'll praise my maker. Right before he passed, all Wesley could say was, I'll praise. I'll praise. I'll praise. The church with the maker on his lips and in his heart, he passed that life where immortality endures. I'll praise. I'll praise. I'll praise. Great is the Lord. And greatly to be praised. Ed, if you can throw up the application for us this morning. It's on the screen. You can take a picture of it. Here's the application. We have assurance that nothing is beyond the power and the control of Almighty God. I don't know where you are. But you need to know we serve a great God. And no matter how weary, distraught we may become, God's vast power is always available to those who look to him he's great and he's greatly to be praised our great God amen I'm going to ask all over this place if we can just stand to our feet and the worship team at this time is going to lead us in a very simple song how great is our God amen Splendor of a king Clothed in majesty Let all the earth rejoice Let all the earth rejoice He 
wraps himself in light and darkness tries to hide and trembles at his voice and trembles at his voice and sing it out how great is our God to sing with me how great is our God it's all we'll see how great how great is our God come on let's give him praise church Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Give him praise. Come on, give him praise. Give him praise, church. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Hallelujah. He's great. Amen. It's just a simple reminder, but it's a powerful truth that we serve a great God. How many of you needed to be reminded this morning of the greatness of God? Amen. How many of you needed to be reminded of the goodness of God? I don't know what you're facing this week. I don't know what mountain will be in your way, what obstacle, what challenge, what sickness, what meeting you may have. But we can go into a new week with confidence in our hearts because our God is great. He's great. Amen. And he's greatly to be praised. He's greatly to be praised. I don't know what the plan is for next Sunday, but if any point I'm up here, I'm going to ask you, what type of praise did you bring today? And your response is going to be great praise, great praise for a great and mighty God. Amen. Amen. Worthy, worthy, worthy to be praised. Scripture says it's the goodness of the Lord that leads to repentance. You might be here and say, Pastor Joe, I don't know this great God that you're talking about. I've never put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and my Savior. If that's you this morning, don't let this moment pass us by, pass you by. Immediately following the service, some of the pastors and their wives and some of our church leaders will be here at the front. And we would love the opportunity to pray with you and to explain salvation to you. So if that's you, don't run out. But come to the front and let one of our church leaders lead you to faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's lift our hands one final time in his presence. Father, we marvel at your presence. We marvel at your greatness, your goodness in our lives. We thank you, God, for the way you met us. We thank you, God, for just how you, you spoke to our hearts, to our lives. And I pray, God, that we, Lord, as we just continue to meditate on your word and these truths, and Father, we would get these two simple yet powerful truths down deep in the inner recesses of our hearts. So that God, our trust and our faith and our hope, we sang about it a few moments ago, our hope 
will always be in you, Almighty God. God, you are bigger than anything we will ever face in this life. And your goodness is over all of your works. So, Father, as we leave, as we leave this morning, may we leave encouraged. May we leave inspired. May we leave strengthened. May we leave, God, with a song in our hearts, knowing, God, that we have been in your presence. And we give you all the praise and all of the glory. And now may the love of the Father, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people agreed and said, Amen and Amen. God bless you. We hope to see you tonight at 5.30 for the Luau. Have a great, great week in the Lord.